Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to. Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Busy, busy times across the tennis world. Of course, we are currently in the midst of a thousand-level event in Cincinnati, the Western and Southern Open event carrying on. And of course, if you are going to be on the grounds on Friday, come watch our live show at the Tennis Point Tent. Tennis Point, one of the biggest sponsors, supporters of that Western and Southern Open. They have been so kind as to open their doors to us. We're going to get to do a live show. Eric Buderak going to be on site. We're going to have a couple other fun guests as well. We hope all of you will come out and listen. Come say hello to our Crack Rackets teams. We are always so, so thankful and grateful to get the chance to meet so many of you Crack Rackets listeners. So if you're on the grounds, if interested, go check out that live show. Tennis Point Tent, of course. If you just want to come say hello as well, we'll be hanging out. So please feel free to do so, and we'll drop that live show as a podcast later on as well. But of course, it's not just the pro tennis action. We've had the two Super Bowls on the junior calendar in this uh, in the United States USTA circuit. Uh, of course, those are the girls and boys 16s and 18s championships that happen in San Diego and Kalamazoo, respectfully. I got the chance to go to Kalamazoo, got the chance to hang out in person with the GOAT, Colette Lewis, and watch that action unfold, talk to a bunch of coaches on the ground. You've been able to hear some of those conversations. They all should be out over the next few days on the Cracked Interviews podcast, of course, we were also in Pennsylvania covering the Lotto Elite Pro Tennis Challenge. Had some great convos there with people like Ernest Golbis, Chris Eubanks, so be on the lookout for those. But didn't get the chance to travel to Kalamaz- uh, to San Diego, obviously, to watch the girls' 16s and 18s national event unfold. I was able to follow a lot of it on the live stream. Shout out to them. And then shout out to the coverage of Parenting Aces' Lisa Stone, who joins us on today's podcast to recap that event. She was on the grounds there to witness Ashlyn Kruger's run to the girls' 18 singles and doubles titles, the 17-year-old earning wild cards into the U.S. Open main draw, likely solidifying the decision to turn pro, of course. Just feels like the depth in American women's tennis right now, second to none in the 2020, should be a super exciting time. We talk about that fact, we exchange rumors, we talk NIL, all the fun things, a bunch of fun tangents. You're going to enjoy this episode. This is one of my favorites I've recorded in a while, and you know, Again, maybe it's because I haven't done it in a while, and absence makes the heart grow fonder, but this is a fun show. All of you listeners should enjoy it. Of course, before we get to the episode, I want to let you all know that, of course, these episodes are made possible because of the support we get from all of you, because of the support we get from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and, of course, because of the support we get from our friends at Turn of Tennis. It's simple. To get the best grip in the business, to join the Turn of Tennis family, contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. You mentioned Cracked Rackets sent you. They'll hook you up with free samples, hook you up with discounted college pricing, treat you like family as well. So remember, sales at uniquesports.com. 
or call 800-554-3707. With that said, let's get to it. A fantastic conversation talking all things San Diego, USTA Girls 16s and 18s National Championship with the one and only Lisa Stone. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Joining us on the podcast once again today, she is a returning champion here on our Cracked Racket shows. You know her as the founder of Parenting Aces. I know her as the pod mother here to our Cracked Rackets podcast. It's Lisa Stone. Lisa, welcome back to the show. Hey, great shot. How are you doing today? I'm good. My husband said, weren't you just on that podcast? And I said, yes. And in fact, I was. But we have another topic to discuss today. So I'm back. Uh, It's great to have you back. First of all, open invite always. I keep a seat here. I wish I could show you the desk if we were on Zoom. There's an empty chair. When my parents come, I say it's because I'm Jewish and it's for Elijah, like it says in the Torah. In reality, (laughs) it's for you, Lisa. The seat is always open for you. Uh, Oh, and somebody will get that reference. Oh, that was... I forgot. Yes, good, good, good. Yeah, uh, I'm like, an MOT too. You I was going to say, I can okay. do 10 minutes on mikvahs if you want. Like, I have a lot of fun. I mean, the <laughs> fact that there's just like a jacuzzi sitting in every temple and we just, like, we don't do anything about that. Like, I remember, you know, you go to Sunday school and I realize now, wow, we're getting into it here. I miss you, Lisa. It's good to have you back. Um, but it's good to be back. Yeah, I realize now Sunday school was just an excuse because my parents are like, we're working out on Sunday mornings. My dad's going to the bakery. He's getting bread. He's doing all of this shit. He's like, I don't have time to watch you all on a morning. You're going to Hebrew school. God damn it. Um, yep. and I feel like that's – and now I start to respect it. Like I, I wish they would have just told me that when I was 11. I don't know if I would have processed it as well, but if they would have just been like, Alex, I want to work out on Sundays. That's why you're going. I might have been like, oh, Okay. <laughs> Doubtful, but okay. <laughs> you go with that, Alex. Yeah. My my photo that pops up on my phone whenever my dad calls is him just sound asleep during Rosh Hashanah services. Just knocked out. And it's a oh, That's almost as good as the one of the official in the in the chair sound asleep at the junior match. So <laughs> Yeah, I wish that like in life I spoke Hebrew because I could just go to someone and be like, Yit Barach Shimcha and they'd be like, Oh, okay. <laughs> He's just talking to me. Like, yeah, that's just what we how we speak to one another. But it's like, no, yeah, I, I, yeah. I talk English. I speak in English now. And so <laughs> it's like I can read Hebrew. I have no idea what it says. Good skill to have. Anyways, all of that said, Lisa, the reason we had you on the podcast today is not to rehash my early learning. And all of that started, by the way, with first grade of Hebrew school. I did go search for the mikvah once. I was like, can I go to the bathroom? And then I was like, jacuzzi. Um, but uh, <laughs> of course you did. Yeah. Well, of course you did. I don't want to implode. My parents don't know who it is. My best friend Dustin Benuni and I went to Hebrew school together, and he was definitely the influence. He was like, "No, no, no, we're gonna go see it." And I was like, "I'm down." Um, and so, anyways, all that said, that's not why you're here. The reason we wanted to talk know. to you today 
Beyond that is, of course, to recap the girls' 18s national championships over in San Diego. You got the chance to be on the ground there, not only see some fantastic tennis unfold. Ashlyn Kruger becomes one of the few players in history to capture both the singles and the doubles title in the same year. But, of course, you got to be on the ground for one of the first in-person events for college coaches in, you know, the past few months. And, yes, they've gotten to do it a little bit more this summer, but the girls' and boys' 16s and 18s national championships are one of the are not one of they are the super bowl of the american junior tennis calendar they're the super bowl of the recruiting calendar as well and you know i got to be on the ground in kalamazoo and we're going to have colette lewis on the show to talk about all the rumors over there as well but i want to start there with today's conversation because was there the same sort of buzz in San Diego as there was in Kalamazoo and just, you know, I don't want to say swarming because there's a negative connotation, but the coaches were swarming just all over the grounds all week long. And that made for fantastic action. Yeah, actually it was interesting in San Diego because of the shortage of courts, they started the 16s on a Wednesday, the 18s started the following Sunday. So the coaches were there from day one on that first day of 16s competition, and they were out in force. And over the course of the 16s competition and through, I would say, the majority of the 18s competition, the number of coaches continued to increase over that week. And it was, it was really interesting. As I was telling you offline, Alex, you know, normally I talk to the college coaches at these events and, and I'm asking them, you know, who are you watching? You know, who's committed? Who are you looking at? Blah, blah, blah. Well, this year I couldn't really have those conversations with them because they hadn't seen the majority of these kids before. And so for them, this was kind of a fact-finding mission more than anything. They were out there watching everybody and looking for those kids that would be great fits for their programs in the future. So, you know, instead of all the coaches, to use your word, swarming on specific courts, the coaches were really spread out across the event. And it was nice to see because you felt like for every single kid that was there playing, there was an opportunity to be seen and to be recruited if they were interested in that. So I I love that. I saw multiple coaches with the notepads out, and you're absolutely right. This is the first time for that class of, I want to say, 2024 and 2020. Yeah, three and four and five. That they really get to uh, be seen by so many of these coaches, and they get their first notes. And I was talking with a coach who can remain nameless, and he was saying, you know, I have my assistant look up all of the results, all of the recruits, and all, you know, who's expected to do what beforehand. But when I get to watch the 16s event, I go in with a blank slate. And I'm going, I'm not looking for names. I'm not looking for matchups. I'm just watching matches. And I go to that assistant and I say, hey, who's that on court seven? on the far side in the white hat or hey who's that on 12 with the very interesting left-handed power tennis game but we're seeing Ben Shelton dominate with that tennis so now I'm inherently intrigued by it um it was a fascinating exercise absolutely and I think for so many of these it's not just the coaches as well and we have the parenting ace here for the parents you could tell for some of them too it was an adjustment and to get to meet these coaches see how that works to get to see oh all of these coaches really do come out in person 
learning experience just feels like that's what this was for so many after a year away from this sort of event. Yeah, and what I thought was interesting too, Alex, is not just the head coaches were there, but mm-hmm. at a lot of the schools, it was the head coach and their assistant, or and a you know a volunteer assistant that was there. So they really were dividing and conquering and trying to see as many of these kids as possible and to assess them and and to make some you know decisions about who they wanted to talk to after they were out of the tournament or you know who they were going to pursue in the future and san diego and the barton's tennis center did an amazing job with this event making it as easy as they could to know who was playing where short of having names on the courts which is always one of my preferences because <laughs> you know when you're out there trying to cover and you don't know these kids it's, it's a lot nicer to have the names on the courts however they did have on the website a link to click and you could see who was playing now on each court at you know in real time and so it was very easy to kind of make sure you hit all the courts that had players that you were interested in looking at yeah, and they had commentary for the streaming in the finals. And yes. and I know Kalamazoo attempted to do that, just weren't able to pull it off this year, but they're certainly going to be trying to do that moving forward. And I was spoiled because I was at Stowe the entire time. And if you haven't watched a junior, I'm sure it's similar to Barnes, minus there's no beach in the background. Instead, we just get a big hill. <laughs> um, but I suppose that's offset with the mediocre blueberries and cream. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They're not yeah, mediocre. you got some flack for that. They I are mediocre. The, the ice cream's delicious. Blueberries are overrated as a fruit. That's maybe just a me thing. But again, we, we can do – I mean, it's just like it's sour. Do we need to talk about antioxidants now, Alex? Come on. You've seen this body. Come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, we uh, – I can yes yes. Anyways, uh, the point being, um, no, it, it's it's the classiest of operations from top to bottom. Yes. They make this feel like a professional event, and so much credit. You know, it's easy to criticize the USTA. They get this right. They kill these events, and you know, I'm sure again in San Diego, it, the Kalamazoo event is just. Part, I'm going to talk about all of this with the club, but it's just part of the community. Yeah. And so yeah. I agree with you. It it certainly becomes so much easier to follow these events, and you know, it's always funny to me. The big wigs show up from a coaching perspective, and it's on you know Wednesday, Thursday. They, the assistants are there early. The head coaches come in for round of sixteen quarterfinals. It's interesting to see which coaches show up before that, which coaches show up around then, which you know just what that recruiting process looks like. Any other takeaways from that perspective before we get into the results? Any little tidbits you might have picked up to be like, oh, this is this was noticeable, or oh, I heard this rumor and this was interesting as well. That was the other fun part, just peddling and rumors. I'm like, I'm back, baby. Yeah, it was fun. I will say the last time this event was held, which was 2019, I was there, mm-hmm. and the finals were televised on Tennis Channel. This year, they were not, but... I did have an opportunity to chat with the tournament director, Lorne Kuehl, and all my interviews from the event are over on our Instagram. So if anybody wants to check those out, they're on the Parenting Aces IGTV. But Lorne did assure me that they are in talks with Tennis Channel to have the finals televised again next year. As always, Billie Jean King was on site for both the 16s and the 18s final. Not only that, she came the night before the 16s final and did a Q&A and they 
had a you know pizza for free for everybody that wanted to come. The, it was open to the community. It was open to all the players, parents, coaches, people like me who were hanging around. And um, it, it you know they they really do work hard at Barnes and USTA SoCal. And you know, big kudos to Lorne and to Trevor Croneman, who's the head of USTA SoCal, on continually striving to make this event bigger and better every year. Like Kalamazoo, San Diego does a great job at engaging local community, reaching out to past champions and getting them on site, really making sure that the players have an opportunity to learn from the people who came before them in the game. And I, I just think that's so cool. And I love that, that they continue to kind of push that agenda. Um, for me, you know, it's always a thrill to be in Billie Jean King's presence. I, I fangirl like no other. <laughs> and, and, and she's always so gracious. She talks to every single person that wants to talk to her and poses for pictures. And I mean, you know, she's in from late 70s now. And by the way, plug for Billie Jean's new book, which I haven't gotten yet, but is on order and can't wait to read. But I mean, she's unbelievable and shares her wisdom and learns from the younger generation, which I think is so cool. And I know we're veering off topic, but to me, this is one of those pieces of this event that makes it different from any other junior tennis event. Well, just quickly, I did three minutes on mikvahs. I said, oh, I could do 10 minutes on mikvahs. And then I actually did three and you're complaining. A Billie Jean King tangent is appropriate. Like, okay, you know, good. yeah, always appropriate. To Are talk you going to tie that to the mikvah? Because I'm, yeah, I'm we're just We're, we're going to edit out the middle five minutes and just go from one story <laughs> to the next and just see, you know, West Perfect. Apple work his magic. But no, I, I mean, EA, between her, between, honestly, Lorne's got fantastic stories as well. And so, oh my gosh, yes. yeah. And he's a fantastic, fantastic person to talk to. And yeah, absolutely. You talk about over the years. I'm old enough to remember it was like 10 years ago. Uh, you know, the CC Bellis years where not when yep. she was winning San Diego, she then goes to the U.S. Open, makes the third round. And just, you know, yeah. Kennan was a winner of San Diego yep. as well. And just those results have mattered over the years. We've seen people go yep. directly from there to having success on the Pro Tour. And so I suppose the question I ask you, this is how we can pivot to the results here now. You yep. look for Ashlyn Kruger her run to the title uh, over – you look for her and just, uh, you know, the way she was able to do it. Uh, she drops, I think, two sets along the way, one in her second round match to Maya Pitts. She drops a set, uh, the first set in her semifinal match as well, but was a 6-2, 7-6 win over Reese Brandt-Meyer to earn the title. I think she's 18 years old now. So, again, I suppose on the older side in terms of winners, but Colette and I were talking about it before the tournament – when she plays her best tennis, it's dominant power tennis. And it just oh, looking yeah. at the results, was that on display this week? Oh, yeah. I mean, without question. And, you know, the interesting piece to me was all four of the semifinalists were committed to turning pro or had already turned pro. Um, Reese hasn't 100% committed, but I think she's – headed in that direction at age 16 she's going to be graduating high school this year um believe me there were coaches hanging all around her the whole tournament that <laughs> any of the top school any school in the country would be 
thrilled to get her, but my sense of things is she's going to wind up turning pro. Um, but that's just, you know, after talking to her and talking to her mom at length, that's just the sense I got. That's not, nobody said anything definite. So don't anybody quote me on that and say, <laughs> Lisa said, that, 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 you know, no, that's just my interpretation. But um, I thought it was so interesting that the final, having Ashlyn and Reese in the final, two of the hardest hitting players I've seen in a long time battle it out. And unfortunately I wasn't on site for the final, but I, I was on an airplane and somebody was live tweeting me scoring updates. So um, it was fun to kind of follow it that way. But um, I, you know, what a great finish to a great tournament and, you know, for Ashland to then turn right around and win the doubles, Oh my goodness! You know, it was just—it was the perfect finish for the week. Hold on, at Parenting Aces thinks Ashlyn Kruger is going oh, stop, to stop, new Parsabom dropping now. Um, and by the way, correction: seventeen years old, not eighteen. Still, you know, when CC just saying fifteen, sixteen, Kenan was around that age as well. But this is kind yeah. of the 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 bow on what was that dominant final year you usually see from a player in the juniors before they go on to make a big jump in the pros and for Kruger 2020 she wins the Orange Bowl girls 18s event and you know she won that event as a wild card she then comes here as the tops uh, as one of the top seeds excuse me in San Diego and I think you know again there for Kruger there have been times where Sometimes that power tennis gets a little bit tricky for her, and it's a little bit off, and what is plan B, what does plan C look like? It's a little bit unclear right now, but from a physicality perspective, she's, what, one? I want to say, certainly over six feet, and just when it's clicking, you see the length she has around the court, her ability to take that ball early and just, again, play overwhelming power tennis. It just feels like the size and the power, that's the direction the pro game is heading, and maybe it would be beneficial for her to go to college for a year, and certainly with the NIL opportunities, and I have some updates for you, by the way, that we'll have to chat oh, about good. at the end of this podcast, so I'm writing that down in the okay. notes so I don't forget forget but I just think it's I I don't know I would a year at I'll just you know an arbitrary year at Michigan a year at Stanford do well for Ashlyn Kruger I think it would at the same time I think her game's pro ready and when you get that U.S. Open wild card until they waive the $10,000 rule just to have that yeah. base to go out pro for her first year depending on the NIL offer do it like just go pro I think her game's yeah. ready yeah, I think so. And, you know, what was so impressive about her and many of the other young ladies that were competing was her demeanor on court. Ashley keeps her head about her. She's very calm when she's competing, even when things aren't going in the direction that she wants them to. She doesn't get upset. She doesn't lose her temper. She doesn't clam, you know, freak out and tighten up out there. She just keeps her head about her and continues on, goes about her business. And one little aside, I will tell you, she's a, a big reader. And she and I were talking about that as, as we were walking to do our little interview on Instagram. And, you know, I, I think people who have something that they can do when they're off the court to get their mind off tennis and recenter and refocus 
it's just a healthy way to be. And so I was thrilled. I'm a huge reader. So I was thrilled <laughs> to know that she is too. And, and I, you know, I think that's, that's something that I, I would guess she can draw on as she's out there competing. And, you know, I, I just, like I said, was so impressed at her demeanor out there. And she's, when you talk to her off the court, I, it was very surprising to me. She's a very gentle, quiet, introspective young woman. And you see her on the court and you, you see that calm, but you also see that power game. And I don't know, I think I just kind of had this expectation that when I sat down with her, she was going to be like this intense personality. No, she's very <laughs> just calm and easy to talk to and so it's it's fun for me to get to sit down with these players and kind of peek behind the curtain a little bit you know no absolutely it's very insightful and again from a tennis perspective it is the overwhelming power right I know we talked about it at the stop but it felt like in the final yeah. against Brantmeyer and honestly in the semifinals as well that power just it it, it won out in the end yeah for sure. And and I will say in the first set, you know, Reese was making a lot of unforced errors. Mm -hmm. um, so I was being told um, via tweet, tweets uh, on the plane. But um, I, I think as Reese cleaned up her game, you know, that, that second set certainly was a very competitive set. And the fact that Ashlyn was able to stay cool, calm, and collected, and close it out was a real testament to her. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I'm, I'm going to ask you to speculate here at Parenting Aces Thinks, but who were the coaches hovering? I just, I'm curious. Who? I mean, I'm sure they all were hovering, but anyone in particular? They all were hovering. Yeah, all yes, of them. All, all I mean, who, you, you clear the spot for Ashlyn Kruger if she wants to come. Yeah. I mean, I think any one of them would definitely make room for her and, you know, would um, would do whatever they needed to do to get her there uh, within the rules, of course. And um, yeah, it just it's always interesting um, to kind of watch and see the senior year, like what's going to happen, you know, where is she going to go? How is the U.S. Open going to go for her? Is she going to be able to bring that cool, calm, collectedness into a main draw match on the biggest stage? It, it's going to be fun. No, it, I'm excited. No, absolutely. And again, she earns that main draw wild card. And I, I saw the tweet. I apologize that I don't have it off the top of my head. It has. I just probably healthy. I haven't spent as much time on Twitter over the past few days as I normally do. I, I am feeling pretty mentally healthy. I'm feeling pretty worn down. I won't lie, but. You know, a wise man once said, you sleep until you're 20, you sleep after you're 75, and in the middle 55, you fucking go after it. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, that wise man was my roommate, Michael. Um, I love but, it. Yeah, anyways, he always, whenever he would make up a quote, he presented it as a wise man once said, he goes, Alex, a wise man once said self-deprecation uh, self builds trust. And I was like, that's actually pretty good. What? No, it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, self-deprecation, you you know, you make fun of yourself a little bit. People are like, oh, he doesn't take himself too seriously, and they start to trust. Anyways, anyways, okay. we've, we've gotten after it here on this podcast. This, yes. pr this just shows you I haven't been podcasting in a while, and I've had a lot of, like, thoughts i've wanted to get out that i'm like you can't say that on a broadcast and so oh, i just say them with lisa yeah, exactly. the pod it. mother i feel very comfortable yes. this is a compliment Good. yeah hopefully i okay. hope yeah but anyways anyways all that said 
there were some other players outside of Ashlyn Kruger whose results are certainly noticeable. Um, I will, let's start with the player who she played in the finals, Reese Brantmeyer. And, you know, you look for uh, Brantmeyer. I believe she's number two in the class of 2022 on tennis recruiting, a rising senior, someone who certainly has pro tennis aspirations as well. She, I don't think she yep. has a list of schools yet. She's thinking about going to, but of course it was straight set victories for her all the way through to the semifinals. She beat Kylie Collins 5-0 and in the round of 16. At one of the most impressive victories certainly of the tournament. She beats Robin Montgomery, the number one seed in a three-set semifinal, 6-love, six 6-7, seven, six 6-3 before falling to Kruger. Always got to give a shout out to a fellow Midwesterner. She's from Whitewater, Wisconsin. Your thoughts on Brant Meyer's game. And again, rising senior class of 22, that's a class. Brant Meyer, Kruger, all these chips still on the board. Do any of them go to college? Your thoughts? Well, first of all, let me just say Reese won the 16s, hard courts, yeah. the last time it was held. And she was 14 years old. Now she's 16 years old and gets to the finals of the 18s hard courts. Yes, she's a graduating senior, a rising graduating senior, but she's only 16 years old. And I did find out that she has two older brothers, one of whom is graduating college in two and a half years. So the big brains run in the family there. <laughs> and um, it was very impressive to, to learn that. Um, Reese is another one of those kids who just – she has the power game. I mean, she can hit the ball, she can move, and she's another one who is just cool, calm, and collected on the court. She is starting to do a little more coming to the net and, you know, trying her her game out uh, in the forecourt, which it's fun to watch, and, you know, she seemed to be getting better and better at it as the tournament progressed. I love watching her come forward. She moves great. She's a tough, tough competitor. And what's so cool to see, too, Alex, and I'm sure you picked up on this at Kalamazoo, is the camaraderie amongst these players off the court. You know, they do battle when they're on court together, and then – off court, they are back to their teenagery ways, and it's so fun for me. As a parent, it's really cool to see these kids just hanging out and being teenagers because their lives are, you know, so dominated by training and playing tennis and competing and traveling and all these things. And so to be at these events, and yes, they're competing hard when they're on court playing each other, but the second they're done, it's back to being teenagers, and it just warms this mama's heart, I just gotta tell ya. <laughs> no, that's awesome to hear, and again, yeah, I think all these players are just so excited to be back out there competing, seeing one another, seeing their friends who they spend so much time with, because it's an ecosystem, it's a bubble. You live in the USDA junior system, and we talk about the pros and cons of that system all of the time, but that is certainly one of the biggest pros is getting to see that side of everything. And again, I, you look for Brant Meyer. She's already a top 30 junior in the world at age 16. She made third round junior Wimbledon this year. As you mentioned, 16th champion, 18 sing, uh, singles finalist now as well. She'll get a qualifying wild card into the U.S. Open. Um, 
I'm sure colleges, again, are surrounding, but whether it's yep. her or whether it's, you know, Robin Montgomery, who pretty certain she's going to be turning pro as well, given all this. Has already. She, yeah, she's already turned pro. Signed, so, right? Signed yep. and everything. And so yep. you've got yep. her, you've got Elvina Kaliva, who, uh, yep. I mean, she just graduated. Did she sign or she's still teetering? She's... Well, she says she's teetering. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, they all say they're teetering. I, I'm not 100% convinced that they're all teetering. Um, yeah. And, you know, listen, with good reason. I mean, they certainly have proven themselves out there and are winning matches on the biggest stages. So, you know, more power to them. As much as I'd love college tennis to get all four of those semifinalists, I mean, it'd be amazing. We know Robin Montgomery's out. She's already signed with an agent. She she is represented. She has officially turned pro, pro so is ineligible to play college tennis. But the other three have not signed yet, um, though there were agents there. I mean, mm-hmm. Ashlyn was there with an agent. She hasn't signed, but, you know... Yeah, it's there. Absolutely. They're all around. And now the question is, is there an NIL deal out there sweet enough to perhaps entice them to say, hey, give me two years, X dollars in your pocket. You can then go spend money and turn pro and travel and get right into the game and physically mature during the years you're here Mm -hmm. along the way. I guess my last question to you, rather than litigate each and every result uh, thus far, is to sort of frame it like this. When we looked at the Kalamazoo field, Zach Svita, obviously a repeat champion. He knocks out a guy who just finished his freshman year, Ben Shelton, in college. Outside of that, it felt like a young field. It didn't feel like 2013, 14, 15 range where you had Francis, Moe, Stefan, Tommy, Taylor, Riley, and just loaded, loaded field with future pros, guys who are ready to make the jump right away. The flip side you look at the San Diego field, and it's notable to say who is not in this field that would be, have you know been prohibitive favorites to capture the title. A, Katrina Scott would have been on the right. short list. Uh, no yep. doubt about that. And she withdrew after making the quarterfinals at a WTA event the week prior. She ends up getting a qualifying wildcard into the U.S. Open. So can't say she regrets that decision. But then the obvious one. Coco Golf could be the number one seed, win this tournament, <laughs> you know, comfortably and be like, ah, just, I, I needed to make sure. Uh, yeah, like but she, why? But no, why? of course. But, but, but yeah. the point saying is like, she would be part of this class in the broader yeah. scope. There's not a Coco Golf on the men's side who's like, ah, I didn't need to play this event, right? Jensen and right. Brandon could not have played Kalamazoo. Right. Coco straight up could have been like, ha, I don't want any of you in the field. <laughs> and she yeah. didn't do that. But, the point being, I look at this San Diego field, whether it is Robin, whether, you know, any of these players who were out there, Kylie, I thought, played super, super well early as uh, in in the week as well. I feel like American women's tennis, and of course, there are people like Ann Lee already out there, and uh, we talk about all them all the time, and Issa Mova, Kennan's not even old yet. Um, I feel like American women's tennis is looking very, very bright heading into the 2020s. Oh, no question. I mean, these young women are poised to make some noise out there, and I'm excited to watch them. You know, one player we haven't talked about is Sasha Yepifanova, and she was one of the favorites coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, She ended up losing pretty early and then lost again in the backdraw, and I – 
I, for one, was looking to her to win the back draw after she lost in the main draw. Was rather surprised to see her go out so early. She's, of course, going to Stanford uh, maybe next week. Um, And, you know, so she's another one that has had a phenomenal junior career. Um, You know, I, I love watching her play and you know, she's another big hitter, um, you know, typically pretty calm out on the court, very poised young woman. Um, you know, I remember interviewing her at the Junior U.S. Open a couple years ago and just being blown away by her maturity and, and the way she was approaching her tennis and her education. Um, and so, I, you know, that was a little disappointing Uh to see that that you know she went out early on and and I really only got to see her play a couple games I didn't even get to see a full match from her um, because I thought oh she'll be around at the end of the week no you know no pressure to go see her play early on but oh well this is tennis right yeah no I, I completely agree with you and it's just again speaks to the strength of the field and something else that we learned the COVID vaccine prevents backdraw flu. I saw a lot of players playing their backdraw matches here, Lisa. Like, they're excited to be back on court and just have those opportunities again. There were not as many withdrawals. Yeah, no, no question that the number of withdrawals in the backdraw was way down from 2019. And that was great to see. I was really pleased to see everybody sticking around and, and competing if they could, you know, if they weren't injured, which there were a couple of injury pullouts. And, on the girls' side, I will tell you, the ones I saw were were definitely legit. So mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a backdraw flu thing. It was a legit injury that, that caused them to need to pull out. So. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And so, again, it was a really, really fun field. Now, again, before I let you go, just a couple of other things I want to touch on real quickly. Uh, the first of them being the NIL things mm-hmm. and what I'm hearing. And I want to know if you had con- – I mean, I know you had conversations on the ground about it. You're too good at – doing what you do not to have had those conversations and you know I got to chat with coaches as well you can hear those conversations on the Cracked Interviews podcast whether it was Michael Woodson Steve Denton was really candid about it Howie Endelman over at Columbia had some fascinating thoughts and here's a theory I would like to posit with you and I can't give you it all all come out soon just we've got some stuff brewing here at Cracked Rackets and you and I can talk about it off mic but I know for certain the offers are now there and mm-hmm. I know these coaches, and whether, you know, for now, international players aren't allowed to take advantage of the NIL rules. And it's still in flux. There will be creativity. Don't you worry about that. Things will end up happening. But for the Americans in particular, the best Americans, you are now going to have the opportunity. If you go to the right school, the good schools, the biggest programs, as expected, things are going to be able to be made happen. The money was always there. There's now just a mechanism to get the, that that money to these players and just, you know, again, and it's a good thing. It's absolutely a good thing. Let's be clear. We've been clear, I think, on that when we had you on the show last time as well, Lisa. But the theory I'd like to posit to you, I'm just throwing his name out here. There is not a grain of truth to the idea that he might do this. But let's just say you're Peter Smith. And I eye a program, and again, not to – all these coaches are doing fine. But like – I guess the coach is even there as well. If you're an Ivy League school is what I'm trying to say. Your recent graduates have the most disposable income of any other set of graduates out there in the country. You can go to your recent graduates who are now working on Wall Street or are doing whatever it is they may be doing and saying, hey, can I get 
10% of that signing bonus? Can I just get a little slush fund of like ten dollars to $20,000 to play with? And I promise you, I am going to turn the ex-Ivy League school into the best school in all of college tennis. Because I think the money is there. And obviously, those players in particular have the way to do it. And I just think, again, I know, hmm, I can't say that. I just think, sorry, I, I, you see me filtering. Leave all of this in, Westoff. Um, I just think there are going to be opportunities for the best players, especially the Americans. If you think, well, I could go be 600 in the world for two years, lose a ton of money on the futures, or I can actually save up a sizable amount of money while in college, come out two years later, not only be a better player ready to have pro success, not only have a few years of points under my belt, but actually have a stash of money as a training base to then go out and you know be able to travel and go play events elsewhere in the world. I think it's all going to happen, Lisa. My takeaway from Kalamazoo is very, very positive. Like, I, I think NIL could be a saving grace for college tennis. I'm curious what you think. It's interesting because I did ask the college coaches on site in San Diego about NIL and, you know, what the plans were. And the answers I got were very vague. Um, well, and, and some not so vague, just basically <laughs> saying, we have no idea. Wait. Yes, the school is talking about things, but they haven't brought us into the loop yet. We don't really know what's going to happen. Um, and I'm talking the big name schools, of course. And I, so I, I, I still think there's just so much up in the air that we don't know answers that we don't have. And to say that nil is going to be the difference maker to get a player who's on the fence between going to college and turning pro right now i don't think we can say that definitively i think in another year we may be able to but this is this is good every so often it's good to disagree with your pod mother um (laughs) yeah every so often you gotta throw it in there i'm not saying i mean i can't i haven't spoken to the women's coaches yet i i'm going to be honest my conversations have been entirely with coaches from men's tennis teams they're aggressive and the lack of clarity is honestly a green light to say okay well there's no rule saying i can't do this yet so it's time for me to do this and again Mm -hmm. the the inability for international players i i understand oh it's american college tennis it should be the americans that benefit i the people who think that are wrong but i've heard that line of thinking before of course. Yeah, it's American tax dollars. It's right. my money. Make blah, 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 blah. Um, The point being, for the American players, th- again, there are aggressive coaches. I can't give names yet, but I know they're looking at it. Like, I know. Oh, I know they are. They and are. so it's just I agree with you. It's not going to be definitive right away. But I see the signs. Like, I let's get ahead of the curb on this one. Yeah. The coaches are going to be creative. It's tennis, a sport that is inherently attracts people who come from wealthier backgrounds. Like, the best schools were never playing with four and a half anyways. They were playing with a little bit more in the tank. It's going to become that much easier to do so now. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, listen, I as we discussed in our last mm-hmm. chat, it, it's – in my opinion, it's going to cause an even greater divide between the haves and the have-nots. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is just, you know, an underlying issue with college tennis in general. Um, there are coaches out there who are creative, and I think they are going to find these opportunities and they're going to make the most of them. At the end of the day, a college coach is a salesperson. 
that is their job is to sell the prospective student athlete on the program, to sell the prospective student athletes, parents on the program. And now it's going to be to sell area businesses on investing in their athletes. And they're going to make it happen because they're really good at what they do. Um, I have no, no doubt about it, but I just don't know if it's going to be in place for this year or if it's going to take a year to really ramp this up. Um, I, again, there are coaches out there that saw the writing on the wall that already put the, the wheels in motion to make it happen for this year. I have no doubt there will be a handful of programs that do have incredible offers for their, their incoming players um, and, and ways to entice players that are on the fence. But I don't think it's going to be a generic across the board Every school has figured this out and figured out a way to capitalize on it. I think there will be a handful that are early adopters, just like there are with anything. So it's going to be a fun year. It's going to be fun to watch. And listen, we're not done with COVID yet. So <laughs> who knows? I mean, there's just so much up in the air right now. And it's it's an exciting time. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree with you. I I know people actually listen to these shows now, so I want to preface, this is a joke. I'm kidding. I love everything associated with Wake Forest Tennis. But I was thinking on my drive to Kalamazoo, Lisa, what is the piece of clothing from a school or a team that has given me gear I could wear that would piss the most amount of coaches off just by seeing me wearing it? And I was like, oh, if I wore a Wake Forest shirt, coaches would come up to be like, god damn it, Tony bought you too? And I'd be like, yeah, like... What can I say? Yeah, you know, just, I mean, again, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Um, exactly. But that was a joke. I love Wake Forest Tennis. I can't emphasize that enough. This advertisement was brought to you by Wake Forest Tennis. Anyways, <laughs> all of that said, uh, no, um, you know, again, we poke fun with the ones we love. And obviously, we've had a lot of fun here on today's show. And as you look back at the San Diego event, I know from a, a, we didn't talk 16s results. We talked about, again, these coaches getting the opportunity to see the 16s field uh, for the first time. But any other noticeable takeaways, any other things from San Diego that you'll, you know, that you'll be, I suppose, keeping an eye on over these next few months? I mean, I let me just say that I think they did an amazing job having live streaming on almost all the courts at Barnes. I think that was a huge ad this year, and that was all on Ryan Redondo, the CEO of Barnes Tennis Center. He did an unbelievable job getting the whatever he had to do, the contracts in place and the cameras on the court so that everybody could watch every match. I My hope is that live scoring will be in addition for next year and that the Tennis Channel broadcasting at least the finals, at the very least the finals, um, will be back in play for the 2022 events. Um, I, I'm just looking forward to watching these kids grow and develop. I So in the 16th side, Tatum Evans won the 16th singles. Tatum, I, she's adorable. She was so much fun. Her dad was there with her. A coach was there with her. Her dad never travels to tournaments with her. It's usually her mom. And this time her dad came and I kept an eye on him throughout her matches and Man, is he a poster child for the perfect tennis parent. He was so calm. He would, <laughs> you know, say, 
go Tatum, you know, <laughs> just, just like that, not a, you know, but a, just a very encouraging, sweet, um, manner about him stood the entire time. He walked around a little bit. There was a little bit of nervous pacing, but it was impressive to watch him. And you could tell she was so happy to, to win with her dad there to watch. And, and that was again, another one of those, you know, warms this mama's heart moment. So um, I love that. And I just have to throw out there, my daughter, who is not a tennis person at all, came with me to the 16s final and sat with me and and was my photographer for the day. And uh, even she had a great time watching and got to interact with Tatum a little bit after the match, after the trophy ceremony. And, and just, you know, it was just a, a fun, fun way to spend a Wednesday. So mm-hmm. I, I love the staggered start this year, too. Um, I know it's it's harder on some people involved with the tournament, but for someone like me who is, you know, trying to see as many matches and talk to as many people as I can, having that staggered start, having the 16s start on Wednesday and the 18s not starting till Sunday was amazing because I really got to dig deep into the 16s and focus on them. And then when the 18s started, the 16s were almost done. We were, you know, down to the final eight and it just made my, my job so much easier. So I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And again, we appreciated all of your coverage of the event as well. Certainly helped me follow everything as I was watching all the action unfold in Kalamazoo. And, you know, the last thing I do want to ask you about before I let you go, and I, it's obviously very unfortunate we have to end on this note, but, uh, you know, we're recording this on Thursday, August 19th. And we learned earlier this morning that, unfortunately, Luke Siegel, uh, he, uh, you know, he passed away after, uh, you know, such a uh, long battle with, uh, you know, just again, Luke, it's, he's been such a such a big part, it felt like, of the tennis community and, you know, the Siegel family, what they've meant to the tennis world. And I know you had the chance to talk to his father, Tim, on your podcast before as well. And I'm just curious, you know, I wanted to, any, any thoughts to the Siegel family you would extend as well? Oh my gosh. Yes. It's, it's a heartbreaker for sure. And I got the news shortly before we started recording Alex and um, reached out to Tim and, and certainly send all my love to Tim and Jenny and their daughters and their grandsons. And it's for those not familiar with the story, you can Google Luke Siegel um, or Team Luke and read about that. Um, certainly, you know, can listen to our podcast. It's from years ago. But, but in a nutshell, Luke was involved in a golf cart accident. Uh, suffered from a severe head injury that rendered him, you know, they weren't sure if he was going to survive the head injury. He did survive, um, has been fighting for several years and sadly contracted COVID and passed away due to pneumonia as a result of contracting COVID. And it's, it's, I, I, there are no words. I, I just leave it at that. I'm just sending lots and lots of love to them. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I think we all are as well. But of course, on a day like this, it always is, you know, it, it certainly perks me up to get the chance to chat with you, Lisa. It is always a pleasure to have you on this show. And of course, I, I can't let you go without asking, what do you have in store for us parenting aces fan? What can we, uh, fans, what can we expect from you over the next few weeks? 
Well, U.S. Open's next on my agenda. I have virtual credentials this year, which is Let's fine go. by me. Um, I am just as happy to cover it from the safety and confinement of my own little living room as opposed to being out in public. Those of you who know me know I have been <laughs> crazy paranoid about catching COVID. So, um, you know, I, I was the one wearing the mask in San Diego the whole tournament. <laughs> so um but yeah so i'm excited to cover u.s open juniors um that will be the crux of my coverage as always and colette of zoo tennis will have the play-by-play on all the results i'm hoping to complement colette's coverage by getting some interviews with some of the parents of the players the coaches of the players and of course the players themselves about some of the topics that Colette doesn't necessarily dive into, but is, you know, more appropriate for the parenting ACES community. So um, that's the next big thing from us. And we have some other little things in the works, nothing that I can announce just yet, but uh, a select few people behind the scenes know what's going on and look for an announcement from us in the next couple weeks. This is, I always like a good tease at the end. And I agree. Well, we've there got you some, go. No, we've got some stuff brewing here at Cracked Rackets as well. And, you know, it, uh, I was gonna. Uh, I'm gonna stop. Uh, we're an open relationship. I'm just. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for. Yeah, I'm waiting for the invite, Lisa. You know me. I'm ready. I've got like my ten minute. I've been working on my. We did a nine hour drive from Pennsylvania to uh, back home here yesterday, and so I was writing like, okay, if I go on Lisa's show, here's the first three jokes I would say. I'd be like, hey, like parenting aces, more like parenting double faults. Am I right? Because so many mistakes are made across there and <laughs> things like that. But no, again, I'm such a fan of all the work you do, and I always appreciate your. Patience for my nonsense. Uh, your nonsense is very fun, and <laughs> I I love the lightness and brightness that you and your team bring to the sport. And y'all are such a an unbelievably great addition to tennis coverage out there. I'm just I, every time you launch something new, I'm cheering for you behind the scenes, <laughs> and so I I love it. Keep up the great work, Alex, and you know I. We're getting you on the podcast. Hopefully, we're going to record it in the next week or so now that we're in the same time zone for a few days. So um, we'll get that done and, and launched oh, probably in the next three, four weeks. So I, looking no, very I, forward to that. That felt very felt self-promoting, but I had to work the yeah. parenting double false line because I was like, all right, if she likes that, then the other three she'll really like. Uh, Did you but, ever read the the blog that my kids started when I started Parenting Aces? They started like a snarky retort blog to mine. Yeah, I just learned how to read last year. Okay. So it, it was a big deal for me. Uh, I'll no, send you the link. I was going to say, please do. I have, I think I've memorized Colette's breakdown of the 2011 USC UVA final that USC oh won 4 3 at Stanford. Like, I think I've read that piece. 17 times the Tiafo Kozlov five set final 2015 Kalamazoo I've read that like some of hers I have memorized please do send me that because that uh, belong, that belong, I've got space for it still yeah 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 it's coming <laughs> your way check your inbox I appreciate that well Lisa Stone always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with you stay safe stay healthy we'll talk to you again soon thanks Alex take care
Hope all of you enjoyed today's episode with the great Lisa Stone. A huge thank you to her for dealing with my Michigas. I'll sneak in a little Yiddish at the end as well, but we always appreciate her insights. We always appreciate her uh, just energy and love for the sport. So again, if you're not already following Parenting Aces, you really should. Not only are they a fellow Tennis Channel Podcast Network show, but one of the best in the business, Lisa Stone. Thank you to her for her time, of course. We're going to be talking Kalamazoo tomorrow with the GOAT, Colette Lou. She joins us once again to talk about the Svina man, Ben Shelton, the rumors, NIL as well, U.S. Open wildcard discussion in that podcast. We're going to have a lot of content coming to all of you listeners over the next three weeks as we try to A, make up for some lost times, uh, but B... You know, again, we were in Pennsylvania, Lotto Elite Pro Tennis Challenge. Expect uh, crack interviews with the players from there. And then, of course, U.S. Open preview content. Two 1,000-level events in the rearview mirror. It's a fun time to be a tennis fan. It's our job here at Crack Rackets to keep you all well-informed. So, of course, if you've missed any of the content, go to our website, crackrackets.com. Like, rate, subscribe to, you to this show, the Mini Break Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast. And, of course, if you need the media updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly i am at great shot pod a shout out as always to our super producers max leader and daniel wasta for the f- of an editing job they do day in day out shout out as well to our friends over at turn of tennis remember it's sales at unique sports.com or call 800-554-3707 with that said for our wonderful guest lisa stone for our super producers fleetner and west up and from all of us here at both crack our friends at turn of tennis and all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say hey great shot and we will see you all tomorrow thanks everyone